of introduction. This is gonna be gonna be an overview basically of the book of Ruth. And the lesson I want to kind of hit on is a life of blessing. Or you could even call it a love story of blessing. Uh, this has been on my heart for a while now. We're just going to read through, I hope not to be too long, just some lessons I got from just reading through the book of Ruth. We're going to pick up in chapter 2, though, beginning of verse 1. It says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field in green ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. So we read chapter 1. Basically, we know how Naomi basically loses her husband and her sons, right? And Ruth loses her husband. And so Ruth chooses to forsake her land, to forsake her people, and go to, you know, be joined to God's people. And now that they're here now, because when they left in chapter 1, they left during a time of famine. And in chapter 2, we're getting into this time of harvest, right? So this is a good time. The atmosphere has changed. We read about how Naomi came back bitter because of how, you know, God had dealt with her. God had basically taken her husband, taken her sons, and she had Ruth with her, which is a great thing. But still, there's that taste of bitterness. Look at verse 21 of chapter 1. It says, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, sin the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. And it's interesting when we just go right into the next chapter, and it says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So it's like a change of mood suddenly. It's like, yeah, things are going bad. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's this mighty man, you know, named Boaz, by the way. And in chapter 2, we're getting into an uplifting of spirits, right? So it says in the verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Isn't it interesting how she just expects to find grace in Boaz's eyes? Like, we read that, and it's like, wait, does she know Boaz? Boaz must have had some sort of testimony about him where Ruth were able to tell that, hey, I can find favor in this man's sight. There's something about this man's character. You know, I'm poor, I'm a stranger, you know, I'm a foreigner. But Ruth automatically knew about Boaz. She said, hey, there's something about this guy, and I know that if I go here, if I glean in his field, I will find grace, Right? Look at verse 3, and it says, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hat was to lie on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Talk about a great boss. This is the first thing out of Boaz's mouth, right? He walks up and he says to his employees, The Lord be with you. And they respond back, the Lord bless thee. I mean, I wish my boss would say, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> They're like church a little bit. But, and we, so the first thing out of Boaz's mouth is a blessing. Doesn't that kind of hint to the change of mood in chapter two? We just read this depressing chapter in a way of chapter one. Everything's going bad. There's a famine. Husbands are dying. Brothers are dying. Ruth's leaving her, her kindred, her people behind. And she's going to this land and she doesn't know what to expect. And automatically in chapter 2, we just see this guy show up, this mighty man, this wealthy man, this man who is a graceful man, and his name is Boaz. And we see him that he is a, good, a man of good character. He's speaking blessings. 
He has a good attitude about him. The Bible also says in Proverbs 29, verse 7, I'll read it for you. It says, The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. So we're going to look into how Boaz treated Ruth, which I think is going to be pretty cool. But remember that the righteous is someone who considers the cause of the poor. Because Boaz knows that Ruth is a foreigner. Now we're going to see how Boaz treats Ruth. It says in verse 5, Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and have continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? So he's calling her his daughter already. It's in a very affectionate term. The guy's considering her, right? He says, go not to glean in another field, neither go from thence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? So notice right away the chivalry of Boaz. The stranger shows up, this damsel, the Bible calls her, and Boaz knows who she is. He's told, hey, this is the Moabitess that came with Naomi. And Boaz charges the young men not to touch her. And he also says in verse number nine, he says, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go without after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee. And when thou art a thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. He's saying, hey, you don't have to draw your own water. Just drink of that which the guys have drawn. He's being chivalrous. He's being a gentleman, right? This is how he's behaving himself. And we so, so far, Boaz looks like a pretty stacked dude. He looks like a really nice guy. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool guy. So he's a, he's a man who has a, he's a good boss. He's blessing his employees. He's a man that's known by his grace because that keeps coming up. Because Ruth says, after him, whose sight I shall find grace. And then obviously we see Boaz bestowing grace. I mean, he calls Ruth his daughter. That's a very affectionate term. It's a way, and we're going to see this later on in the passage, he's sort of taking her in under his wings, right? So he calls her his daughter. He looks out after her. He makes sure, hey, you have water, you're okay, you glean after my field. He's providing for her, and he's protecting her. He's saying, hey, don't touch her. He's telling, he's telling his employees, leave her alone. He's being a very chivalrous man. He's being a gentleman, right? Let's keep reading. And it says in verse 11, and Boaz answers, so Ruth asks, you know, why are you doing this for me? What if, who am I that you should do, you know, why are you taking notice of me? And this is what Boaz says. And Boaz answered and said, Hunter, it hath fully been shewed me all that thou hast done unto the excuse me, thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and now thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So why is Boaz treating Ruth like this because you got to think about this let's get in let's get in uh, a guy's head for a second 
it's real easy for a really attractive girl to come on a job site and everyone's an angel now. <laughs> everyone's just this great guy. Everyone's just this chivalrous knight, you know, this white knight or whatever. It's real easy for, you know, this 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 really attractive girl to come on the job site. Basically, yeah, we'll draw your water for you. Hey, daughter. She'll probably get mad at her daughter. That's pretty weird. Uh, but it's real easy. And I think that this is here for that reason. This passage, God knew that, you know, guys are probably going to be thinking that Ruth's just a smoking hot, you know, girl. You know, she must be a bad girl, man. But no, it, it wasn't. That wasn't why Boaz treated her so well. And that ought not be why men treat women well anyway. It shouldn't be based on how they look. Look at why Boaz is being this way to Ruth. It's because of her character. In verse number 11, Boaz answers and says, It hath been fully shewed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and now thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and are come to a people which thou knewest not heretofore. Boaz knows her character. He knows how she's being. And he knows her principles. Why is she doing what she's doing? It's not just, hey, you look great. She probably did look great. I don't know how she looked. But the reason why Boaz is doing this to her, why he's being so kind to her, is because Boaz is someone who, who is, a better way to think about it, says the Bible says, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, but such as turn aside the lies. We should not respect people who are evil. We should be people who respect people of good character. And we should weigh people by their character, right? Mm -hmm. And when Boaz sees Ruth, he sees this girl. He knows her history. He sees how she wants to follow God, how she wants to know the people of God, how she wants to be with Naomi. He sees that and says, hey, don't touch her. I'll draw water for you. My daughter, reap in my field. He's kind unto her. Kindness is the underlying virtue in this passage. Let's keep reading. It says, in verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. So here's that second, this is going to be a, a theme. We saw him call her daughter. And I mentioned before how he's kind of bringing her under his wings. And then Boaz tells Ruth that Ruth has come to trust under Christ's or uh, under God's wings. Of course, Christ, you know, the Trinity. But let's keep reading. It says, Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. There we see again, let me find favor. We see grace. Grace just keeps coming up in chapter 2. Isn't this just such an upbeat passage from chapter 1? I mean, grace, grace, grace. This is all over the passage. And it says, And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had received, me, that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she shewed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, the man's name with whom I have wrought today is Boaz. 
And Naomi said unto her, daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord God, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kinsmen, of near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. So we see, just kind of read through, we got a lot to cover. But basically, Boaz gives us some more food. You know, he blesses her some more. Ruth goes back to Naomi, and Naomi is like, whoa. You know, because we haven't heard from Naomi from chapter one. You know, Naomi is still the woman who's lost her husband. And she's got Ruth. This Moabite is with her. So we get introduced to, reintroduced to Naomi. And Naomi notices that Ruth is being blessed. He's like, where are you getting all this food from? Like, what's happening? And immediately, Ruth probably doesn't know what's going on. You know, because Ruth doesn't know that Boaz is related to Naomi, right? But Naomi does know. She immediately recognizes that. He says, and Naomi said unto her, the man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And that's where the story kind of takes off. Because Naomi also said, blessed be the Lord, blessed be of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. We serve a kind and gentle God. Yes, God is wrathful. Yes, God is someone who hates sin. Yes, God is someone who wants to be reverenced and revered. But don't forget, we also serve a gentle, kind God. It reminds me of when Elisha, right? Um, I'm having a brain freeze. I've worked all day. Uh, basically, he was, he ran away. He was in the wilderness, and the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And then the still, small voice came, right? That gentle voice. That's what, that was the last thing that happened. And we, there's, of course, there's other passages. I think of the verse, and I think it's in Thessalonians, how the apostles talk about, as a nurse cherisheth her children. You know, they were referencing that as a way of showing how they were caring for the church at Thessalonica. And so God has attributes of kindness. He is gentle. You know, he is someone that, you know, is, that is basically, who wants basically to carry us and bring us under his wings. Right? There's not just this angry God in heaven who's just screaming against sin. You know, God is angry with the wicked every day, but we have to remember that, you know, God's angry with the wicked every day, but, you know, there's a heaven, there's a church, there's a family that God created, there's a beautiful sky, you know, there's a, a wife and a husband, there's children. And so Ruth is a great passage because this comes right after the book of Judges, right? I mean, if you read through the book of Judges, you've seen some gnarly stuff, right? And I, and I was I almost laugh a little bit because I get to reading judges. I mean, all this crazy stuff that's happening, and then we get into a love story. This is a little odd, just places here. I've just read about Samson killing people with a jawbone, like, and then there's a love story here. Like, okay, we're in a love story now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, God, you know, He does what He wants. But God is a God of kindness, and Naomi recognizes this. And she's starting to connect the dots a little bit because she knows who Boaz is. Ruth does not know who Boaz is. He doesn't, she knows who he is based on the day, you know, what the man she just met. But she doesn't know the bigger picture here, right? So let's find out where does this story lead to? What is going to happen? Let me get caught up in my notes here. All right. And also, if you would, go to Deuteronomy chapter 25. I also want to to lay the foundation for this, why does uh, Naomi know, why is she so happy that it's Boaz? So just so we'll kind of know this. Deuteronomy chapter 25, if you would go there real quick. 
Deuteronomy chapter 25 and beginning at verse 5. There's actually a law in the Bible that has to do with the reason why Naomi is so excited that Boaz, who is the near kinsman, has now met with Ruth. And we're going to see what that is about. It says in verse 5, If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead. And his name, that his name, be not put out of Israel. And it says that if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate unto the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call unto him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face. And shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. Now, judging by that last part, this is a very serious law in the Bible, right? Basically, if my brother Daniel dies, right, and he has a wife living under this law, this holy law, and he has a wife and he has no children, it is my duty to raise up seed unto him so he will not lose his inheritance. That's what this law is talking about. Because if you remember when the children of Israel were dividing land, when they, when they conquered the promised land, they divided the land based on the families, based on the tribe. And God did not want there to be a tribe in Israel that was lacking. So if my brother had land, and he had a wife, and he died, well, guess what? Who's going to inherit that land now? It's just going to be out in the open? It's not going to be used anymore? And so it would be my duty to raise up seed unto him. And that's not going to be my child. That is his child. That is in his name. He will not inherit my land, right? So if I, have, if I have my land here and my brother has his land over here and he has no one to inherit his land, then guess what? I have a duty to his wife, right? I marry her. I raise a seed unto her. But that child doesn't get my land. He gets his, his land because it's in his name. God did this so that way basically to build your brother's house. That's the underlying spirit of this law. You want to be someone who's willing to build your brother's life. We want to be someone willing to edify, you know, build, edify each other, right? And God takes this so seriously that if I were to say no, I say, no, I, don't, I do not want to build my brother's house. I don't care about his inheritance. God says that his wife has every right to bring me to the elders. And if I refuse, she can take my shoe off and spit in my face. Now, obviously, the, the shoe part is probably just a reproach part. Like, look at him. But the spit is just downright disrespectful. Like, you, you, that's basically a, a social shaming, right, in the Bible. There's no flogging. There's no, there's no, you know, capital punishment or anything like that. It is a cultural punishment. God wants people to look down on this kind of individual. That's why she spits in his face. It's not as severe, but it's more about the shame of it, right? And so the reason why Naomi is so excited is because Boaz is near kin unto her. You know, Elimelech just died in chapter one. So she's like, oh, wow, this is, is going to work out perfectly because Boaz is related to them. And Naomi has no son because her, 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 her two sons already died. That's why Ruth is with her. And so this is all starting to go together a little bit now. All right. So let's go back to, uh, to Ruth. And we're going to be in chapter three now. 
So we kind of got the change of mood in chapter two. Now let's see where this all, you know, where this all goes. In Ruth chapter two, beginning of verse one, the Bible says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now stop there. Now we just read about how Ruth, excuse me, how Naomi takes note of Boaz, right? And she knows that Boaz is near pin unto her and that she can marry, basically, Ruth and raise up seed unto her. But look at Naomi's attitude. Is she looking for a child? She's not looking for the benefit of that law. She, because the law says that, basically, Naomi needs a son. She needs someone to take that inheritance because Elimelech died. So she needs someone to take his inheritance, to take his inheritance and also, you know, report to take Ruth. But in chapter 3, verse 1, we see Naomi's heart. She's not looking for herself gain. She's looking for Ruth's best interest. It says, because my daughter shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee. So even though Naomi notices that, hey, this could work out for me, you know, obviously, because she, she's talking about how God has shown kindness to the living and to the dead. She knows how Boaz is near kin unto her. She is still seeking Ruth's best interest. It's a very powerful thing. Let's keep reading. It says, And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winneth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Watch thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and that's why I go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. She came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. So what is happening right now? Right? And that, by the way, that spread your skirt over my garment. That is a third mention of this principle. We see how Boaz meets Ruth and calls her daughter, taking her under his household. We see how in chapter 2, if you want to turn back there, how... Where was it at? Um, I think it was in chapter 11. It says, Boaz answered, said unto thee, Have been shewed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, as thou hast left thy father and mother in land of nativity, are come unto a people which thou knewest not before. The Lord recompense thy work, and the floor will be given unto thee of the Lord. Where was it at? I said it, I said it was a second one. I didn't write it down in my notes. Any answers? Anyone? Two. Anyone paying attention? Verse two, <laughs> of uh, chapter two. Two. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, "Let me now go to the field and glean ears." And no, that's not. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> that was a test. All right. Anyway, go back. You rewind the story and look at it. But we got to keep moving. But basically, that's the third mention of this principle. Basically, Ruth. Ruth is basically called Boaz's daughter. And then we see again here, oh, I, I know what it was. I just remember it now. 
Boaz basically tells Ruth, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I don't know where that is, but we just read it. So that was the second mention. And then the third mention of this, this sort of overlapping, householdish, you know, I'm caring for you kind of attitude in this book is seen in verse number nine, where Boaz says, and he said, who art thou? And he answered, and she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. And Ruth says, spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, but thou art a near kinsman. She says, spread your skirt over, you know, me, right? And you say, what's all the, why is she in there uncovering his feet, right? Now, there's this heresy out there. I, I, I've heard about it long ago. And they basically teach in this passage, this, this messed up, this weird heresy, that basically when Ruth went into Boaz, they basically had fornication going on. There was some kind of weird arousal going on. You can read about that online. And it's like, number one, that is just completely unrelated to the context of this entire book, let alone the context of the entire Bible. Uh, you know, and, and number two, you know, that would, that would kind of contradict itself because isn't, I mean, it's not like even based on their logic, because these are people who are obviously not your fundamentalist Christians. These are people who obviously believe that the law is something in the Old Testament. You know, the law is something that we don't have to worry about today. But even based on their own logic, I don't know about you guys, but Genesis isn't that far away from the book of Ruth. We're still in the Old Testament, even based on their viewpoint. So it's like, where do you come up with that weird, sick kind of logic? It's like, that doesn't make sense. Here's what I believe this is talking about, right? This is what, because if, if, if we keep reading, it kind of gets defined. Now, we already read about a shoe in Deuteronomy, how the woman was basically going to take off his shoe and spit in his face, right? But there's also another way we can probably, you know, glean more from this. But before I get to that, I want to just cover a few points on this. So Ruth goes in. And so in verse 19, it says, so they two went until, excuse me, I'm in chapter one. And in verse number eight, it says, and it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she said, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, blessed be thou of the Lord. So this is Boaz's second blessing, right? And he says, my daughter, there's that daughter again, even though they're not, Related. And he says, For thou hast shewed more kindness in the later end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And what this kind of reminds me of when Boaz is saying, You know, you're not following young men, whether poor or rich. And he's like, You're showing me this kindness. Ruth is someone who I believe mirrors Boaz's attitude. Boaz is someone who's looking, who's a man of character. He's a man who wants to judge you by your actions, how you behave yourself. And Ruth basically has those same characteristics because Boaz looks at Ruth. He knows that she's here because she's a, she wants to follow God. She wants to know God. But it, right here, he's talking about how you don't follow young men, whether poor or rich. And to me, what that means to me is basically Ruth is someone who is seeking Naomi's best interest. Why do I say that? Well, we just found out early on in the chapter that Naomi basically tells Ruth what's going on, or, Ruth, or Naomi at least knows what's going on. Ruth obviously knows that she wants Boaz 
because she's getting, look at the earlier verses, she's getting dressed up, she's putting on her makeup, per se, you know, and she's going in, she's following her mother's instruction, and she says, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. That's what she says in verse 5. So Ruth knows what's going on. She wants him to marry her, right? She wants this to happen. And so she goes in there, Boaz is laying down, and his feet are, she uncovers his feet and lays her down. He wakes up, he's like, whoa, like this is crazy. And I believe the reason why Ruth uncovered Boaz's feet is found in chapter 4. Because if you read chapter 4, it says in verse, we'll begin reading verse number 5 for context sake. So this is basically Boaz going to basically handle the business of getting Ruth. It says, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Here, there's that gnat again. There's an Adam here. <laughs> just dealt with this last Sunday. Here we go. Josh, if you're watching. It says in verse 6, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to myself, for I cannot redeem it. And now listen to verse 7. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe. And gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testicle in Israel. I think Ruth is sending a hidden messenger to Boaz. You know, basically, the guy agrees with with Boaz. He's like, hey, you can buy my inheritance. And basically, in that time period, they take their shoes off, they pluck off their shoes, and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have brought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place, your witnesses this day. So we obviously, this whole transaction is a success. And that doesn't answer the question. I sit and answer the question as to why does Boaz say thou fallest not the poor man or rich? Why are you showing me this kindness? Well, obviously Ruth could have married whoever she wanted. She didn't have to obey. She didn't have to choose Boaz. She could have done whatever she wanted to do. But she decided to obey. She decided to submit to that law. I, I believe that Naomi obviously told her, you know, what was going on in verse number 20 of chapter 2. Because Naomi is talking about, blessed be of the Lord, you know, who's not left off to show kindness to the living and to the dead. And she tells her, basically, the man is near of kinsman unto us. Now, I don't know if they had this law in, in, in Moab, you know, not sure about that. Ruth probably didn't know what was going on. But she comes to this land, and immediately, in chapter 2, there's something happening, you know. Spirits are lifted up. And then in chapter 3, you know, she's basically got a, a husband on her tracks. And in chapter 4, there's a whole marriage going on. It's like the, the story just picks up chapter by chapter. It just gets better and better as you keep reading it. Chapter 1, there's a famine. Chapter 2, Ruth meets Boaz. Chapter 3, Ruth and Boaz basically are, we're going to get married. Chapter 4, they get married. It's like the story just improves as the chapters are read. And it's like, what is the theme of this whole book? There's a lot of themes in this book. But based on what I've studied and what we just went through basically this evening, I believe a big theme in this book can be found in 1 Corinthians, if you would turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. Bible reads, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In this entire story, Ruth is not seeking her best interests. She could easily have gone back to her family, to her friends, to her parents. She chooses to go into the unknown. Naomi says, I want rest for you, Ruth. She's seeking Ruth's best interests. She wants to bless Ruth. Ruth, in the end of the book, at the end of the chapter, in verse number 13 of chapter 4, this is what it reads. It says, Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left off this day without, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, and lay it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it her name, saying, There is a son born to who? To Naomi. Just as the law said, this is Naomi's child. And they call his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So Naomi seeks Ruth's best interest. Ruth sees, she walks into the unknown. She's being faithful. She's being, you know, bold. And at the end of the entire book, Naomi is full now. You know, she's, she has a job now. And it's like this whole book is basically people helping each other. Boaz helps Ruth. Ruth helps Naomi. Naomi gets a child, you know. And even when Naomi in chapter one, Naomi's like, go back to your land. Go back to your people. And Ruth's like, no, where you go, that's where I'm going. Where you stay, that's where I'm staying. They went the extra mile. That's what these people did. And that's why the book gets better and better as you read it, because if you're willing to go the extra mile, things usually work out in life. When you're willing to do more than what's expected of you, things usually go well. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You want to know who the happy people are? The people who obey. The people who want to fulfill your duties. Those are the happy people. Why are so many people depressed today? Why, why do people, here's a, here's a good question. Why do so many people live the, their lives as if they're reading the book of Ruth backwards? They're starting at the marriage and they're ending up in the family. Why is that? Here's why. They're selfish. They do not want to be kind. They don't want to seek other people's best interests. They only want everything for themselves. The Bible says, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. So who are you troubling when you're greedy? When you're getting all the money, when you're getting everything you want, you think, oh, I'm full. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Ruth was poor. She was a stranger. Naomi had to suffer famine. She had to lose her husband. She had to lose her sons. Boaz shows up, this mighty man, this good man, this man who's the first words out of his mouth is blessed, is a blessing. Blessed be of the Lord. Bless his employees. And he's a diligent man. He's a mighty man. He's a man who works hard. This is a man who wants his employees' best interests. This isn't the guy who works you like works you like a slave and is off vacationing. He's there. He's present. And he sees Ruth and he wants to help her. And he knows that she's near of kin unto her and he wants to be a blessing to her. 
And so that's why this book just gets better after every single verse. It's because everyone in this book is devoted to helping each other. And that's the kind of people we need to be. You know, this love story works out because people have the right attitude, because people have the right character. That's what we need to have. As Christians, we need to be people in this church that we hate. We're going the extra mile. This is something we all need to be exhorted to do, you know, me, me included. We need to be people who, hey, you need help with something, I'm there for you. You want extra help, I'm there for you, you know? I don't want to ever get mediocre in the way I think about you guys. You know, oh, I see you guys on Sunday, you know? Like, people talk about their church like they talk about their jobs or something. Like, it's like, aren't you guys, like, happy to be here? Like, it's like, got to be dead here, you know? This isn't Laodicea, guys. Like, you can wake up. Like, we don't all, like, sometimes you need Rob here to get you guys on some coffee addictions or something. So, like, come back. But, you know, that's, that's the conclusion of it. The conclusion of it is, you know, let's not be mediocre. Let's seek out each other's best interests. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's well, right? So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for um, this Wednesday, Lord. Thank you for the people that are here. Thank you for the people that are healthy, Lord. Pray that you be with those who are not feeling us okay. Of course, though, we're, we're constantly praying for Pastor. Pray that he's having a wonderful evening. I pray he's getting enough sleep as well. I know all the medication, the pain, helping to sleep well at night. I know he fell asleep, Lord, holding Crystal's hand. Just thank you for that. It was a good blessing to him to be with his wife. Lord, thank you for this church. Keep us throughout the week. We've got a couple more days to go, and we'll get to see each other again. Keep us safe on the roads, Lord. Bless us for tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Amen.